Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 21. The Gospel record of Luke in chapter number 21. The Lord Jesus Christ has made His triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And within a week's time, Jesus Christ is going to be crucified upon a cruel cross where He dies for your sins and for mine. Now, in the meantime, Jesus Christ is working with his disciples and working with others, doing everything he can to bring them to himself. Understanding at the same time, the Pharisees have now switched gears, and instead of just trying to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ, they are planning to kill him and overthrow him. At the same time, Jesus Christ has been preaching daily inside of the temple, and we found himself working... Uh, on this Tuesday, preaching to the Pharisees, uh, discrediting the Pharisees, answering their questions, preaching messages against the Pharisees. He's taken some time to walk from the temple with the crowd and go to the court of women. And as they look at the court of women, they have observed a little widow woman who drops in her two mites and Jesus turns and preaches to the crowd that she had given more than everyone else who stuffed big checks inside of it because she gave out of her poverty she gave out of her necessity instead of out of her abundance. And she did it out of the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, out of the Lord of God. And now as Jesus Christ and his entourage step away from the temple, they begin to have some people who make an observation about the temple, which sparks another conversation. We find our way in the gospel record of Luke chapter 21. The gospel record of Luke chapter 21, and notice with me in verse 5. The gospel record of Luke chapter 21 and verse 5. And as some of the temple... Sorry, and as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which you behold, the days will come in the which there should be not left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And in the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. But when you he shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but at the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before 
all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts and not mediate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not be a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them not... Uh, which are not in the midst of them depart out and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days for there shall be great distress in the land and the wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, for they for looking after those things which are coming on earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I shall say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And in that day he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount, which is called Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him in the, uh, in the temple for 
to hear him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark an interesting phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke in chapter 21? The gospel record of Luke chapter 21, and notice with me at the very end of verse number 24. The gospel record of Luke chapter 21 and verse 24, notice what it says, the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles. And with this, we want to hit some end time things and some things that are going to occur within the generation that Jesus talked about them. And we want to try to sort it out and make it clear so we can have a good idea of what is happening. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, I'm asking that you would just open up your Bible in a special way and that you would clarify these things, that you would put it in order. Lord, I'm asking that you would just please make it clear. So that way we could be the best help to these good folks and try to explain these things that we be not confused. You have no desire to confuse us. You have every desire for us to understand what is going on so we could warn others that they need to accept you while time is near. Lord, again, with the study and the preparation, the notes that I have, I've done everything we can to try to prepare, but Lord, I don't want to depend upon myself. So I'm asking that you fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would get your own work accomplished. Lord, I'm very conscious that I need you now, need your help in so many ways. Be a blessing to your folks, even tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we approach this passage, we're going to look at this in several different sections. The very first thing we want to see here is the keys for interpretation. The keys for interpretation. Now, let's give a context to what's going on. As we had said before that Jesus Christ has made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And he has made his habit that each of those days he is going to be teaching in the temple. And we've seen that in the previous chapter that he was preaching in the temple on this Tuesday, March 28th of AD 30. As Jesus Christ finished teaching, he is now... Um, brought his entourage out to the court of women where they had witnessed the widow woman give them widow's mites. And then as they step out and begin to walk away from the temple, someone makes an observation in verse number 5. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. So as they're coming down, people are like, wow, this is an amazing place. Look at this temple. Now, at this time, this temple is the second temple. You had Solomon's temple, which had been destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. This was a temple that had been started by Zerubbabel after the restoration when the people were allowed to come back into Jerusalem. But it was meager and poor. And so Herod the Great had set a great remodeling project and almost the entire time of Jesus' life and... Um, <laughs> They had been working to remodel the temple. So there's still scaffolding. There's still things going on as they're trying to get the finishing touches as, as it's now been passed off. And someone is making, wow, look at this redesign. Look at this remodel. Look at how beautiful this is. This is wonderful. And as they're saying it, you could imagine that many of you who go look at architecture or go look at some monument or look at something, take a moment just to acknowledge it and see how it's built and maybe to ooh and ah and make a commentary on it. So this is just a natural thing. Well, with this, Jesus takes these remarks that someone said and others had heard and he turns around and makes an interesting thing. Verse 6, 
As for these things which you behold, the days will come in that which shall not be left one stone upon another that it shall not be or that shall not be thrown down so as the people are looking on wow look at this this is amazing jesus says guess what it's going to be destroyed very shortly in fact in 70 AD the romans are going to destroy jerusalem under the roman general titus who will become an emperor and this temple that they're looking at now is going to be left into rubble everything is going to be destroyed and so jesus says don't get too attached this is temporary as much as you look at the great architecture it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be put together in pieces. So the natural question, verse 7, And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things come to pass? Now when Jesus <laughs> takes this, he's going to use this to go ahead and teach them about end time prophecies. Now with this, they're asking a specific question about this temple that they're in. And this temple is going to be destroyed in 70 AD. But Jesus Christ is going to give some things about what is going to be destroyed in this temple. And then he's also going to make end time things that are still in our future. And we have to understand that there are Two different contexts going on at the same time. Now prophecy is something that people get confused with. In order to ensure a good understanding of prophecy, there are specific keys that we need to have down so that way we get the correct interpretation. First of all, we understand that this prophecy is for the Hebrew people, for the Jewish people. In prophecy, remember that much of prophecy is given in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was written as an audience to the Hebrew people. Not for the Christians and not for the church. That the idea of prophecy, the two major events that we have in our future, which would be called the tribulation and the millennial kingdom, both of those are fulfillment of prophecy to the Hebrew people, to the Jewish people. This is something important because if you don't have that context in mind, then what will happen is that people will read these events and try to apply them to the church and carry the idea that we as Christians need to be looking for these signs to come. But if we understand that the audience here is Jewish people and he is referring back to the Jewish scriptures, the Jewish prophecies, and dealing with Jewish people, then therefore we can get a better interpretation rather than trying to read that we are to look for signs and wonders. One of the problems that we have today is people are looking for signs and wonders. They try to read them in. All you have to do is see some event and then look on the Facebook post and then you'll see all kinds of things. Look, prophecy is being fulfilled under our very eyes. Look, the book of Revelation is coming to pass. It is not. People have said, well, look, the Jewish people are being gathered. Look at Israel, that in 1948, Israel became its own nation. Look, God is regathering them up. You have a misunderstanding of prophecy. You understand there are more Jewish people living in New York City than the entire country of Israel. That the Jewish people are still scattered. They are not gathered together. In fact, according to prophecy, God is going to gather the Hebrew people at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. 
we're going to see even in this passage, the Jewish people are going to flee Jerusalem in the future to get away from the troubles to come. So again, we have to understand that this is a prophecy for the Hebrew people. And that we as Christians, we are not looking for signs and wonders. The next thing on God's calendar is something called the rapture. And the rapture means the calling away. And God is going to call us away out of the scene. And may I say out of the way. So God can deal once again with the Hebrew people. And so this event that we find in the book of uh, Luke chapter 21, also in the gospel record of Matthew 24, these are dealing with the same things. These are dealing with Hebrew people according to the Hebrew prophecy, according to the audience that was given in the Old Testament prophecy that the end time events were made to be the fulfillment of prophecy to the Hebrew people, not to us as the church or Gentiles or Christians. So this helps immediately. If we don't have this sorted out, you're going to get all kinds of nonsense come across in the guise of prophecy. Most of the time, and I'll say this as an emphatical statement, most of the time most prophecy preachers are off because they do not differentiate the idea of the Hebrew people and the Christian people. They get the wrong audience. They mix those things together and they make it so therefore signs and wonders have to be fulfilled before Jesus Christ comes. There are no signs and no more wonders. Jesus Christ can come back at any time even before we're done preaching. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Lord Jesus, we're waiting. He's coming. So we have to be careful because today people are saying that there are signs and wonders, things to be fulfilled. And what happens is we look so much towards the second coming of Christ that we miss out on the Christ of the second coming. We look so much trying to find the events and the signs and the things that we fail to look forward to Christ. He's the one we're looking for. I'm not looking for wars. I'm not looking for an antichrist. I'm not looking for some beast. I'm looking for Jesus to take us out of this place. Our eyes and our desire should be on Christ and not on signs and not on wonders. That is our part as Christians, as Christian people. Now for the Jewish people who are left behind in the tribulation, God is going to be dealing with them. And for them, there's going to be plenty of signs and wonders before Jesus Christ completes his second coming. Remember the second coming of Jesus Christ comes in two phases. The first phase is the rapture where Jesus Christ comes in the clouds to call us away. The second one, Jesus Christ comes visibly on this earth to come to rule and reign. So there are two phases to his second coming. Seven years in between both phases. The first phase he comes in the cloud to call us away. The second phase he comes down to this earth to conquer the world, to rule and to reign. When Jesus Christ comes back in that second phase of his second coming, there are plenty of signs and plenty of wonders that the Hebrew people who are left behind are to be looking forward to, to anticipate that Jesus Christ is coming. Why do they have signs and wonders? Because it's also called the time of Jacob's troubles. It's going to be time of the greatest persecution upon the Hebrew people that they have ever known in history. And by the way, they've known quite a bit of tribulation and, and problems. And this is to give them hope that Jesus is coming. God is coming. The Messiah is coming. We're looking forward to God's promises because things are rough out here. And if we didn't have any hope, we would just quit. 
You understand? They need this. They need to know that God is going to fulfill his word. And that all these things are coming to pass. These signs and wonders are evidence that God is going to come. And deliver them just as he promised. So those are some of the keys that we need to understand. As Jesus Christ gives this prophecy. That we get the correct interpretation. This passage is not for Christians and the church. It is given for the Hebrew people as a fulfillment of prophecy towards the Old Testament scriptures as God said. So that brings us to the next event, the troubles. The troubles. Notice with me in verse number 8 and let's walk through these troubles. And he said, take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Remember the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is a title. It means Messiah. And that there are many people who will claim to be the Jewish Messiah over and over. I'm Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the sent one. I'm God's anointed one. Jesus said, don't be deceived. There are many people that come that are going to claim to be Christ. And at the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. Now, the Lord's teaching as recorded by Dr. Luke is going to focus on Jerusalem and the destruction that occurs in Jerusalem in 70 AD. It will also swing to end time events from back and forth. And as the tribulation time swings on, there are going to be many people who are going to attempt to deceive the Jewish nation that the Messiah has come. <laughs> Even today, I think Currently present tense in our history, there are two people that are claiming to be the Messiah to the Hebrew people. Imagine that. There are two people, even today, they're trying to deceive the Jewish people. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's the fulfillment of prophecy. So this is not an uncommon thing, but it's going to be even more so. As people are looking for a deliverer, we know that there's enough evil people that when people are looking for hope, they're willing to give a false hope in order to elevate themselves. Notice as it continues to go on in verse number 9. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. Of course, we've now been placing an emphasis of the fear dots in the Bible. Here Jesus gives a commandment to those people, be not terrified. Why? For these things must come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Now, nations are going to come up against nations. Famine and sorrow is going to occur. The commotions deal with unrest, instability, disorder, and chaos. So he says commotion is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of chaos, a lot of things going on. But God is not the author of confusion. He says, trust in me, depend on me. These things have to happen. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 10. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilence and fearful sights. And great signs shall there be from heaven. By the way, that's just a good summary of all the events that happened during the tribulation period found in the book of Revelation. 
There's a lot of things that occur, including earthquakes and signs from heaven, a lot of things. Now, again, these aren't things we're waiting for for the rapture. There are no more signs for the rapture. This is for the second phase of the second coming during the tribulation period for the Hebrew people. Verse number 12. Now we see it kind of goes back. Um, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues, into the prisons, and brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. We can see that they're going to be sold out by family. They're going to be betrayed. Um, verse number 13. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. Now, of course, we're going to see this fulfilled directly in the book of Acts. That as Jesus' disciples, not just the, the eleven, but the other ones, they're going to be arrested. James and Peter are going to be arrested by Herod. And James is going to be put to death. Peter is going to be arrested. They have every intention to kill him. We could see later on the Apostle Paul is going to be dragged before Caesar. And he's going to give an account twice to Caesar. We know that these events are going to happen. And God's saying, listen, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to be with you so much that you don't even have to worry about practicing speeches, coming up with something to say, I'm going to be with you. And we're going to face them together. These things are going to happen. Notice again, as it bounces in verse 16, And ye shall be betrayed both of parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall be caused to put to death. Now what's happening is that Dr. Luke is quoting, or Jesus is quoting Micah chapter 7 and verse 6. But God has in this part of the plans for the Jewish people to proclaim the gospel. And God is going to speak to them as they stand trial. <clears throat> so as we see this as a dual prophecy. Remember many prophecies are dual prophecy. That they have a more immediate fulfillment. In this case it's going to be the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And the spreading of the gospel in the book of Acts. And then the more complete fulfillment during the tribulation period. That in both times the purpose of all of this is to spread the gospel. Inside of the, gospel, uh, the book of Acts. God had told them to go spread the gospel both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. What happened is that the people didn't want to go. They got comfortable inside of their large church of Jerusalem where you had all the programs and you had all the fun stuff. And so God sent persecution to Jerusalem. Why? So that way they spread the gospel everywhere and churches got started as a direct result of the persecution. Inside of the book of uh, the tribulation period. In the tribulation period, you're going to have 144,000 Jewish people, young people, by the way. The Bible calls them virgins. So this is going to be a great youth movement, a youth revival of young people accepting Christ as their Savior. And as persecution comes, that 144,000 people are going to go to every corner of the world preaching the gospel because of the persecution that has come. God has a plan in that persecution, not just to harm and crush his people, but for the ultimate purpose of getting the gospel spread so people hear it everywhere about Jesus Christ. Notice as we go on, it says in verse 17, 
And ye shall be hated of all men. Notice this. For my name's sake. He said because of me. People are going to hate you. Now again as we're looking at dual prophecy. Wasn't that true of the book of Acts? You even had some guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Who would travel places to drag people out of their houses. And put them to death. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, what was he doing? He was going to Damascus, a foreign country, to go drag Jewish people out of their house, bring them back to another country, and put them on trial and kill them. That's a bad persecution when people are showing up at your door from a different country to kill you. Again, during the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to try to kill as many Jewish people as he possibly could. Notice again in verse number 8. But there shall not be a hair of your head perish. Now this is an interesting promise. After the Antichrist, we're going to cover in just a second, uh, initiates a great persecution, the Hebrew people are going to flee into the mountainous region of Edom, which we'll talk about here in just a bit. And God makes a promise that he is going to protect them, those that go there. That's a great promise. When you're getting persecuted and you have God's promise that God's going to protect you, I'm hurrying up as quickly as possible to get to where I'm going so I can be protected. Yeah. This is a great promise. God said, just get here. Verse number nine. In your patience possess ye your souls. What a great encouragement. In your patience. Now, persecution is coming. The pressure is on. And God says, in, in your patience Possess ye your souls. Remember what God had said before where he said, be not terrified. You know, even in the worst times, we can still look up to God. When it seems the world is falling apart around us, we can still trust God. That he's still on the throne and that we can still trust him. Remember that with this encouragement that at the end of the tribulation period, Jesus is going to start the millennial kingdom. And all the Hebrew people, remember God is working to bring the Hebrew people to himself. All the Hebrew people who survived the tribulation are going to enter into the millennial kingdom with their natural bodies. And they are going to have children and be able to reproduce and not die. Or at least live for a thousand years. That's a long time. How many kids could you have in a thousand years? And God said, all you have to do is endure to the end. All you have to do is get to the end of it. And you get to enjoy the millennial kingdom inside of your bodies. He says, fear not. I've got something better for you. I'm going to protect you. I've got a plan for you. You just have to go. Don't be afraid. Know that I've got things in hand. What a great comfort that would be to the Hebrew people during that time. That God has got everything trusted. Now with this, we now come to a different idea. Continuing on. We see not only the troubles, but we see the tribulation. The tribulation. Notice with me in verse 20. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Now, this covers quite a bit of prophecy that's mentioned in the Old Testament. First of all, we know that the tribulation does not begin with the rapture. Again, that's part of our Christian, may I say, hubris that everything has to revolve around us. The tribulation does not begin with the rapture. 
What happens, the rapture calls us away. Then there's a small period of time where there's going to be chaos in the world. If you can imagine millions of people disappeared, there's going to be a lot of chaos. Then someone from Europe is going to come up and he is going to seem like he has all the answers to the world's problem. And he is going to call for peace in the Middle East. Now while he's calling for peace in the Middle East, he wants to start having a peace agreement with the Hebrew people. Now if you're going to have a one world religion, there are two groups of people currently in this world who will diametrically oppose a one world religion. That is born again Bible believing people who are going to be raptured up. So we're not going to be an interference. Number two would be the Muslim people. The Muslim people refuse to share any other religion. They say there is only one God, Allah, and his prophet is Muhammad. And they shout that and they scream that. They will not compromise. Well, it just so happens that, according to the book of Ezekiel, that the Muslims are going to join together with the Russians. And in my understanding of scripture, the United States is going to be taken out pretty quickly once the rapture happens, that someone's going to push on the buttons. So when the United States is gone, Israel no longer has a big brother ally looking after them. And now that they're vulnerable, the, the uh, Muslim people are going to get to try to accomplish what they've always wanted to get accomplished, to get rid of the Jewish people. And so they're going to press an attack the Hebrew uh, against the Hebrew people with the Russians leading the charge. So the Russians make a coalition with the Muslim people. By the way, you see that in politics today. And they're going to join together. Finally, let's destroy Jerusalem. No one's looking. And what's going to happen is that God is going to fight and defend the Antichrist against the Russians. And almost with the snap of his finger, all the Russian armies and the Muslims will be disappeared. Oh, wow. Now the second group of people that would be opposed to one world religion is gone. Born again Christians are gone. Muslims are gone. Now we could set up a one world religion and have peace throughout the world. With the Muslims gone, the Jewish people can now rebuild their temple which, by the way, they can't build their temple today because there's a Muslim shrine, the Dome of the Rock, that sits on that site. That has to be destroyed, and if you know anything about the Muslims, they will not appreciate if their site is destroyed. But with them gone, they can't oppose to it. So now the Antichrist is going to set a peace agreement with the Jewish people that says, let's rebuild your temple. As soon as that agreement is signed, the stopwatch begins, the tribulation starts. Now, what's going to happen for the next three and a half years, they're going to rebuild the Jewish temple. By the way, the Jewish people today have in warehouses everything that is necessary to build the temple. All they're waiting for is the word go. They have all the materials already collected. So as soon as the Antichrist signs this peace agreement, they quickly demolish the Dome of the Rock and rebuild a temple. After three and a half years, the construction's gone. And notice in verse 20, it says, And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, by the way, that is mentioned in what I just said with the Russian Confederation. Uh, this is going to be mentioned in the Ezekiel, the Minor Prophets, Isaiah. You're going to see this mentioned over and over, these armies that are surrounding 
Then you know that the desolation thereof is nigh. This word desolation is usually followed up with abomination of desolations. This phrase is found in the gospel records. It's found in the book of Isaiah. It's found in the book of Jeremiah, if I remember correctly. It's found in several different places, this abomination of desolation. This is such a watermark event that God refers to it often. This idea of the abomination of desolation. What is this event? Well, as the Antichrist finishes rebuilding this temple. The Antichrist is going to sit down on the throne of the temple and said, now I am God, worship me. The, anti- the Jewish people are immediately going to realize, oops, we made a mistake. This is not our Messiah. And they're going to reject the Antichrist. When the Antichrist is rejected from being worshipped by God's people, he is going to throw a fit and he is going to cause a great persecution to reign upon the Jewish people like they've never seen before. Now with that context that the Jewish people reject the Antichrist, the Antichrist throws a fit. Notice with me in verse 21. Uh, verse 20 to get a running start. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them that are in the midst of it depart, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led captive away of all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of Gentiles, till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. This persecution is going to be a worse persecution than any other in history. Um, This period is going to last three and a half years and the Jewish people are going to are going to have to flee. And the Bible says, woe unto you. You have to leave. The gospel record of Matthew says, don't even return home when you hear this news. You don't have time. Run now. Don't worry about grabbing your stuff. Take off. The Bible says, woe unto them that, that, um, that uh, are get with child that gives suck. If you can imagine that all of a sudden you hear the news of great persecutions coming and you've got a crying baby that needs to eat every once in a while, that's going to be inconvenient if you're trying to flee, if you're trying to hide from soldiers that are looking for for you. It's going to be a rough time. It says, oh, hope that it's not in winter. I don't want to travel in the winter trying to get away from these armies. This is going to be a bad event of tribulation. Now, what is God doing? Because God is trying to bring the Hebrew people to himself. They thought that the Antichrist was their Messiah. Look at everything that he's done for us. They're going to realize he wasn't the Messiah and they're going to turn to the Bible. They're going to head to the mountains and the mountains of Edom, which happens to be one of the few places on earth because of the mineral deposits that satellite cannot look at. Interesting enough. Some of the people who studied their Bible found where the caves are and they've already hid Bibles all throughout those caves wrapped in plastic bags so they won't deteriorate. So when the Jewish people get there, they're going to go ahead and take the Bible. And if you're a Hebrew person and you take a New Testament, the first book you're going to look to is the one with your name on it, the book of Hebrews. And through the book of Hebrews, they're going to realize that Christ is better than all of the Old Testament things. And they're going to accept Christ in the darkest times of their life. 
the treasures in darkness, the worst things that happen turn to be the greatest things that happen because they're going to turn to Christ and realize he was the true Messiah the whole time after they believed in a fake and they believed in a fraud. And God is going to protect them and bring them to this idea, uh, bringing them to the millennial kingdom. Which now brings us to the termination. The termination, meaning the end of this tribulation period. Verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and looking for those things which are coming in earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then... They shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Once again, we're placing the emphasis here that this is for the Hebrew people during the tribulation period. For us, look, Christians looking for the rapture, all we have to do is believe God's promise because there is no more signs and no more wonders. But for the Hebrew people, God has disrupted everything for the purpose that they say God is coming back. We're looking forward to His Messiah. Please come Come, Lord, please come. And they're going to be looking with anticipation the more things that happen, the more that the blood uh, moon turns to blood, the more that the stars are falling out of the sky, the more of all of these other things, these earthquakes and everything else happening. They realize that God is coming back and he's coming back with a vengeance and he's coming back to protect them. And they're looking forward to God, please come, please come, please come. And they're looking forward to that. Their redemption draweth nigh. Now as Jesus finishes up the parable, he's, or this prophecy, he now switches to the idea of a parable to try to wrap up this teaching. Notice with me in verse 29. And we see the tree, the tree. And he spake to them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of yourselves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye... When you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. As we see this promise here, this parable of the fig tree, God is telling the people to watch the fig tree, which is going to be a picture of the nation of Israel. The fig tree is going to produce leaves, but no fruit, meaning God has blessed it, but they have rejected the Savior. As they go on, verse 32, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass until all things are fulfilled. The generation that Christ is referring to is the Jewish generation of the tribulation. He's saying this generation, these things. Jesus then affirms these words are true, that everything I just told you is going to happen. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He says the world is not going <coughs> the world that we don't know <coughs> isn't going to know when it starts. They can calculate the end but they can't predict the future but God's word is going to come to pass. Everything is going to happen just like he said because God knows the future. He knows everything. He sees all of time and he's trying to say watch this. Watch what I'm going to do with Israel. Watch what I'm going to do to bring them to myself. Which now comes to one last thing, a test, a test. Verse number 34, and take heed 
to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. Jesus says, all right, you can get so busy with things of this world, doing normal activities, that when Jesus Christ comes, you're really surprised. Do you know that if you're looking for Jesus Christ, you're not surprised when he comes? But if you're distracted, you'll be surprised when all of a sudden he pops up and comes. Verse number 35, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now as we make this application, <coughs> he says you need to watch. You need to be prepared. You need to be looking for Jesus Christ coming. You need to be ready because you're going to stand before him. And you're going to give an account. He says, you could of course avoid all of this by accepting me as Savior now. You know, we have a, a thing to try to lead as many people to the Lord as possible. Some people say, why is God waiting? The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, For the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, word, not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. Someone says, why doesn't God come? God will keep his promise. He will do what he said he was going to do. But why, what's the holdup? Why is he waiting? Because he wants to see as many people come to know Christ as possible. It's of God's graciousness that he hasn't come back. Because we have a responsibility to see as many people come to know Christ as possible. If Jesus Christ was coming tomorrow, and you knew he was coming tomorrow, and we don't, but if we knew that he was coming back tomorrow, and you knew that people were going to be left behind and face a messed up world, and die and go to hell, who would you tell would you be in a hurry to tell? Or would you say, if I get around to it, would there be an urgency? You understand, Jesus Christ is coming back. And we have a responsibility to tell them why we can. Even if Jesus Christ doesn't come, tomorrow is not guaranteed for anybody. We need to start telling people, if you believe Jesus Christ will keep his word, and you believe Jesus Christ is coming back any time, then it should affect our behavior by how we behave and what we tell and how we talk to people. He left us in charge with the responsibility of watching and waiting, praying and serving, working. The test to see if you believe all of this stuff is going to be carried out in our actions by trying to tell as many people as possible to get saved now while you still can course in verse 37 and verse 38 it says that he continues to teach like he always does at night he goes to Mount of Olives and then he's going to come back in the early in the morning on that Wednesday and teach again but as we take this we just did a quick little snapshot of prophecy most people use prophecy as an entertainment thing something fun to listen to but you understand if prophecy is true then we have a warning that Jesus Christ is coming back. And we don't want anyone to go through these awful events that are going to occur. 
They can avoid it if they accept Christ as their Savior now. It'd be better for someone to accept Christ as their Savior now than to endure these hardship and the events that will occur. It is our responsibility to tell people, if we believe this is true, then we will be evidenced by us telling more people about Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.